Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let's pray together. Father, what a privilege it is that we can run to you. That you welcome us home, that's been our theme this fall, but you welcome us home with your arms open wide as we run to you. Blameless, forgiven, loved. Father, we are in awe of who you are and what you've done. Thank you for allowing us that privilege, that access to you through your son, Jesus. We give him all honor and glory with our lives, with our words, with the thoughts of our head, the meditation of our heart we offer to you. God, now we ask that you would speak to us as we turn to the pages of Scripture. May these holy and ancient words speak to our lives and our modern world today. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Well, again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. So glad you are with us today and glad you're tuned in online. We do exist for one reason here at Faith Christian, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. So if there's some way we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus, we would love to journey, take that journey with you. Let us know how we can walk with you. Before we dig into our sermon time this morning, I want to mention one thing just kind of by way of announcement, and that's something that's going on tonight at 6 o'clock. We've got a special event planned for our middle school and high school students and our faith student ministry. And if you've got a middle school or high school student in your life, you want to be sure they are here tonight. It is Halloween. They're celebrating Halloween tonight, pumpkins and costumes and food and the works. So if you've got a middle schooler or a high schooler in your life, please have them here at 6 o'clock tonight, 6 to 7.30, uh, for just a great time with our faith student ministry. And we'll, we'll look forward to uh, celebrating and having a great time with them tonight. Welcome home. That has been our theme so far this fall. We began this back just after Labor Day. Welcome home. And we're looking, using this imagery of home to kind of guide our teaching and, and kind of frame our teaching uh, through the, the last part of this calendar year. And we have been, uh, the, we started by talking about welcome, how God wants to welcome us all home to him. We've spent this month of October uh, talking about your home. And we'll conclude this part of the, the, the sermon times uh, this morning here as we wrap up the month of October together with this idea of uncommon families. We've been, we've been saying that well, what's common in families just isn't working anymore. Because what's common in families today is divorce and dysfunction and codependency and not talking to each other for years and somebody said something about somebody else and somebody got all up in a tizzy and then they just don't talk and just, that's hurt feelings in the work. This is not working. Common just doesn't work anymore. Well, we think family can be better than that. And the reason we think that is because we think that God created family, that this was his idea in the first place. So if it was his idea, what does God have to say about family and how we do family? So what we've been doing these last five weeks, this is week five of this, and the final week of the uncommon family part of this, we've been going back to scripture to see what God has to say about family. And what we've found is that God has given us some boundaries. We, we've used the word principles about how we do family, how to have an uncommon family. Let me just catch you up to where we've been before we jump into number five today. We said that an uncommon family will widen the circle of influence. That as a parent, you have the most influence on your child more than anything or anyone else, but you are not the only influence. So you need to intentionally put other people, other adults, in your child's way to say and teach the same thing that you are saying and teaching at home. 
Week two, we pointed out that an uncommon family imagines the end. What we mean here is that you, you parent with a goal in mind. And the goal is not what your kids accomplish. It's not just what your kids do. It's who your child is becoming. And so we parent towards that. And we reward towards that. With that end in mind, who our child is becoming rather than just what it is that our children are doing. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that uncommon families fight for the heart. They fight for the heart. All families fight. That's inevitable. People spend enough time together. There's going to be a disagreement. There's going to be a fight. What we need to learn is to fight for what's important. And last week, if you were here or if you were tuned in online, we said that uncommon families create a rhythm. And what we mean by that is that within the normal, everyday stuff that you do as a family, you eat, you drive, you sleep, you get up in the morning, in the normal rhythm of life, we incorporate our dialogue, our conversations about God and about the things of God, about how to love God and love people, about how to be kind to our friends and our neighbors and even our enemies. In, within the daily, daily dialogue and the normal everyday rhythm of our lives. So that's where we've been. Today we come to principle number five. And to get there, I need to tell you what I know about families. All families, all parents want to be great parents we all as parents we want to be great parents i have never met a person who after their child was born holds that little baby in their arms all wrapped up in the hospital towel hospital blanket they're still in the hospital and they rock that baby and they look at that baby and they ooh and coo and coo that baby and then they say to that baby baby i can't wait to screw you up we don't do that that's not the way we work we want we want to do it right now we are all honest with ourselves we miss sometimes right but we want to do it right and we want to be so good at this parent thing parenting thing that we have the best kids in the county the most gifted children the most athletic children the most good-lookingest children the most talented children the most beautiful children ever known to mankind we want to outdo the neighbors. We want to outdo our siblings and their stupid kids. We don't want to do that. We all want to be great parents. And so we do everything we can think of. We do everything we can think of to be the best parent ever. We make sure our kids are wearing the right clothes. And we make sure we are taking the right vacations. And we make sure our kids are playing the right sports. And you're so, so much in that, you're even coaching their sports. You're coaching teams, you're not even sure your kid's on, but you're there coaching anyway. We take them to dance, and to gymnastics, and to language lessons, and to tutoring, and to orthodontist appointments, and driving lessons, and on and on it goes, just trying to be the perfect parent. Here's the problem. At some point in your family's life, something is going to happen where you're going to realize all this stuff that I've been doing, I can't do enough. I can't do it all. You don't have enough to-do list. You don't have enough answers to be the perfect parent. Maybe it's one day and you're watching the news about the latest natural disaster, the calamity that strikes somewhere on the globe, tsunami, a tornado, an earthquake, and your seven-year-old walks into the room and sees the TV and says, Daddy, why did God do that? 
What do you say? Maybe it's when you're driving home from the funeral of one of your parents, and your child says to you, Mommy, where, where do we go when we die? And your instinct is to go, well, honey, we go to a better place. But in your mind, you're thinking, I don't know. I don't know. It may be when you discover that your son is smoking pot. And you sit down with him and say, listen, we don't do that. And he says, well, why not? Or when your daughter starts dating and you discover a box of condoms in her room. And you say, you're not ready for that. And she says, he says, he's ready. I think I'm ready. Why not? And in those moments, those moments, reality comes crashing in on our little suburban world. And we recognize, I, I don't have enough stuff in my do list to be the perfect parent. I don't have enough stuff in here to deal with everything that comes, comes up being a parent. And so here's what we do. We have two kind of knee-jerk reactions, and you'll do one or most likely one or the other of these. The first thing you'll do, <coughs> pardon me, the first thing you do is you just add more stuff. You, we go out and we get a book, or we call the pastor, or we pick up a Bible and say, read this. How do I read it? I don't know, just read it. It's got to help, right? But it's really bigger than that, isn't it? You think all you need to do is add something, do something else, but it's bigger than that. The other reaction is just to avoid it. Just, you know, you play this card. I'm going to let them decide for themselves. I'm going to let them figure this out on their own. My kids have already gone to church more now than I ever did as a kid. They'll figure it out when they get to college. Then they'll learn. You know what's interesting about that theory? We don't do that with math. We, we don't do that with nutrition. We don't do that with exercise. So why would we do that with something as big as eternity? I think the reason that a lot of us avoid diving into these really heavy issues these hard conversations with our kids is because we think i don't know the right answer i'm not really sure what to say i'm not sure that i have any faith in god well, what do you do then what do you do then we've been reading this month this passage from deuteronomy for the last five weeks where this leader named Moses gathers all of God's people together, kind of gives his farewell address, his farewell speech to the people as they are about to move into the promised land. And Moses is saying to them, here's how we're going to do life. Here's how this is going to work. And in this particular passage that we've been looking at, Moses begins to unpack these principles, these boundaries that we've been identifying about how to do community and how to do life, specifically, I think, about how to do parenting. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is where we began a, a, a few weeks ago. Moses says, well, we got to begin by establishing a priority for how we live. Listen to verse 4. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. He's reminding them we're going to worship the one God, the Lord alone. He's establishing the priority. God is priority number one. Everything else comes after that. And as a family, we need to know this is the most important thing. We start here. And then everything else will fall into place. But we have to start here. Then he begins to dissect the way that they think about God. In verse 5 he says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. He says, your entire life, your entire existence, you thought this thing with, with this relationship with God was all about God was the ruler, the master, and you're the slave, and you have to obey him, and you have to be afraid of him. And oh, yes, there is need for respect, and yes, there is need for obedience. You need to know, Moses is saying, this is not ruler to slave any longer. 
This is now a father-to-child relationship. The relationship you can have with God is as a child approaching his daddy. In other words, God is someone that can be loved. You can love God. And love always comes before obedience. And in parenting, isn't that the case? Love always comes before obedience. Our relationship with our kids speaks much louder than just our rules. But then the next couple of verses, he unpacks the details for how we're going to pass this legacy on to our kids. Look at verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, for those of us who have been living and trying to parent with this idea of we're going to be the perfect parent mentality, we're going to do everything we need to do to be the perfect parent, we're looking at this list that Moses just gave out. And we don't think we can do it all. Because we look at that list, we talked a little bit about this last week, I don't think I can add anything else. I don't think there's room in our life, in our rhythm, to put any more stuff in there. It just seems like more pressure, Moses. Well, Moses says, well, there's this rhythm to life. There's this rhythm, and in that rhythm, we can build spiritual truths in our kids. So here's the context for what he's saying, and here's our fifth principle, our fifth and final principle in this Uncommon series. Uncommon families, when it comes to faith, when it comes to matters of spiritual, spiritual matters, uncommon families, they're not perfect, they don't do everything. Uncommon families, they're not expected to know everything. They're just going to make it personal. Uncommon families make it personal. All the things that Moses lists there in Deuteronomy 6, all of those things are relationally oriented. He says, here's the way we're going to do family. Here's the way family will best work. We're going to be a relational family that makes the issues of God and faith and eternity and character development and values and spiritual development, we're going to take all those things, not make them a bunch of rules, not make it a bunch of lists, not make it a bunch of thou shalt and thou probably should not, those kind of things. We're going to make it personal because that's what uncommon families do. Here's what this means. There are typically two ways that we could parent. The first and the most common way, we've already talked about this a little bit today, is that we do things for our kids. We do things for our kids. Here's what I mean. If your kids are young, and when your kids were young, you were in that stage where you can do most things for them. And they think you're great at everything, which is kind of fun. Because your three, four-year-old thinks you're great at everything. When, I, when my kids were three and four and five and six, they thought, they thought, that I was a great basketball player. I am not. But here's why they thought that. Because we shot on an eight-foot hoop in the driveway. I'm not bad on an eight-foot hoop. Put that thing up to 10, I got no chance. But they didn't know that. They thought I was a great basketball player. My kids used to think that I could fix anything because I knew how to change the batteries. <laughs> they know better now. But there, there came a day when they figured it out. There came a day when dad's not so great at all those things that we thought he was great at. There is a ceiling upon my capacity of what I can do for my kids. Now think about what happens when we get to that point. When suddenly 
What they need goes beyond what we can do for them. What do we do? We outsource, right? You want to do ballet? I don't know how to do ballet. I'll find someone who knows how to do ballet and teach you ballet. You want to pass third grade math? I don't know how to do third grade math. We're going to find someone who does third grade math and teach you how to pass third grade math. We'll get you a tutor. We outsource everything. And that is fine with algebra and softball and tap dance and the bassoon. That's great. But here's where that's not fine. Character. Values. Because your kids see who you really are. And there comes a point, and it's usually pretty early on, there comes a point where your kids begin to determine, are you really who you say you are? And are you doing what you're telling me to do? And this is the moment that character and faith and spiritual development that we cannot outsource They've done a lot of studies about what our kids learn from us, and they've determined that when it comes to money, for instance, when it comes to money, if we don't save, our kids won't save. If we're not generous, our kids will not be generous. Even when it comes to things like nutrition, if we don't eat our vegetables, they are not going to eat their vegetables. What happens is our kids imitate what we do. And when it comes to character and faith and spiritual development, we cannot outsource that. We can't just drop our kids off at the church and hope that the church can fix everything. We have to be a part of that process. We have to be a part of that process. So instead of parenting with a style of we do things for our kids or we outsource for our kids, I want to propose a different style, one that allows us to be an uncommon family that makes it personal. Don't just do things for your kids. Do these things with your kids. All the other principles we've talked about in this series, from widening the circle to creating a rhythm and fighting for the heart, imagining the end, those are kind of on you as the parent. Those are up to you to do those things. But when it comes to this one, This is a team deal. This comes to us and our kids together. Character, faith, spiritual development always happen together rather than just outsourcing it to somebody else. As parents, we have to step up and say, I'm not perfect. I I, I don't get it all. I don't know it all. I'm not sure I understand. I'm not even sure I believe it all. But we'll do this together. We're going to walk this journey together because it matters that much. It's that important. Let me share with you two things that I think have to be common in our homes. One is things that our kids need to hear, and the other is things that our kids need to see from us. And listen, I I believe this doesn't matter what age your kids are. You may have grandkids or great-grandkids by now. This still matters. What your kids hear and what your kids see from you, this applies. Let's talk about the things our kids need to hear. Our kids, no matter how old they are, need to hear from you words of affirmation. You you already know this, but can I just remind you of a few? Your kid needs to hear from you, I love you. I'm proud of you. Great job. You are beautiful. I think you are amazing. 
just these saying these words of affirmation it takes almost 10 times saying that to balance out one negative thing that our children hear and it has to be obvious and deliberate in the way we talk to our kids um, author and speaker alan smith tells a great story about how um, he got an email um, uh, from a mom who said that her daughter had come home from school one day and said that a kid in her class had called her ugly and so the mom's trying to figure out what do i do with this and the mom said well how did that make you feel and the little girl said well i didn't care she said, somebody called you ugly you didn't care about that why didn't you care about that why didn't it bother me why didn't it bother you so it didn't bother me because because daddy tells me i'm beautiful so i didn't believe it because that's what daddy told her she believes her dad our kids need to hear those kinds of words words of affirmation but listen our kids also need to hear words of honesty words like i'm sorry i was wrong please forgive me i made a mistake those are hard words to say to our kids aren't they and especially if your kids are older if your kids are teenagers college age young adult older adult they need to hear those words even more because there may be a division between you and your children right now that could be resolved with some honest words some i'm sorry's i didn't do it right forgive me one phrase that i think we need to say more often especially when it, especially when it comes to these issues of faith and god and spiritual development I think it's okay for your kids to hear you say, I don't know. I, I don't know. When you think about it, our, our, our kids ask us a lot of big questions. And a lot of times, we don't know. And we just need to admit that. I, I don't know. I know you've been in those situations where your kid asks you those questions, and you're not really sure how to handle it. I heard a friend of mine in a sermon one time talking about when his daughters were little they were like kindergarten first grade age they were sitting around the dinner table one night after school and one of the little girls asked her asked dad hey daddy what does socks mean and he's kind of taken aback oh man she's heard that on the bus or something and that's i don't like that slang and she's going to use this word and that's awkward and i don't want that to be happening so he's trying to figure out how am i going to describe to my daughter what the word socks means and he just and he had this moment of clarity he goes oh, i know last week we were at the dentist and the dentist that puts the thing in your mouth that sucks all the stuff out of your mouth so i'll just describe the thing that they put in your mouth at the dentist's office that sucks and that's how we'll i'll define what the word sucks means that's how i get started so he says well honey it's like when you go to the dentist and begins to, and as soon as he gets the word dentist out his wife sitting across the table falls out of her chair laughing He's like, what are, you, what, what are you doing? And she is rolling on the floor. She is laughing so hard, tears running down her face. He's like, I'm, she asked a legitimate question. I'm trying to be a good parent. I'm just trying to give her a good answer. She goes, what do you think she said? He says, she asked, what does the word sucks mean? She goes, no. She asked, what does the word sex mean? He said, I don't know. Ask your mother. <laughs> Our kids are always asking these big questions that we're not sure how to answer. We don't even understand the question sometimes. We don't say the right thing sometimes. And in those moments, 
we need to be courageous enough and honest enough to say, I don't know. Or go ask your mother. Or let's figure that out together. But when it comes to these issues of faith, let me just let you off the hook. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. The best thing you can say to your kid here is, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. Let's learn about this together and just start investigating with your child and you begin to learn together. Our kids need to hear that. And it's okay to say, I don't know, but let's figure it out. There's also some things our kids need to see from us. Some of the best advice I ever heard for, for people like me who do ministry for a living, who stand up on a platform in front of people and in front of cameras, raising kids in the church was this. They said, be the same off the stage that you are on the stage. It's pretty good advice. Here's where I think that hits all of us, whether you're ever on a stage like this or not. You've got to practice what you preach. Mom and Dad, you, you, gotta, you, you need to do what you say. See, here's the reality for all of us. If you want your kid to be a generous person, you have to be a generous person. If you want your children to have integrity with their words and with their actions and in their relationships, you have to have integrity in your words, in your action, in your business dealings. A person, you have to be a person of integrity. If you want your kid to grow up to be the kind of person who fights for their marriage, you have to be willing to fight for your marriage. If you want your kids to respect authority, you have to respect authority. If you want your kids to know God, then you have to pursue God as well. You see, th this is doable. Th th this is not rocket surgery here. This is, this, is not, th this is not hard. These are small, easy steps to make it personal. So I got a challenge for you this week. As we wrap up this whole uncommon part of our Welcome Home series, I got a challenge for you this week. This week, no matter how old your kids are, no matter where they live, this week, what do your kids need to hear? What do your kids need to see? Pick out one thing for each and make it personal this week. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for, for family. And God, I know not all families are perfect. And even families in this room struggle. We have fights and we don't always get it right. But Father, give us the courage to model for our children in word and in deed what the, what they need to see as we pursue this relationship with you when it comes to these ideas of spiritual development of our faith of our values god even when we're not sure help us to be honest enough about that with our kids to lead them to you god as we come now to a time of communion as we celebrate the body and the blood of jesus broken and shed for us on a cross as we eat these and drink these emblems, this bread, this cup. Remind us in this moment that you are our good, good Father. And even you modeled for us through Jesus. Sacrifice, love of enemy, forgiveness of those who hurt us. Teach us to follow that example and to lead by that example to those who, follow, who come after us. We pray this today in the name of Jesus.